Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Public Handicapper Podcast, where we handicap the biggest horse races run around the country every weekend. This is show number 46, January 3rd, 2020. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how are the roaring 20s treating you? Well, Happy New Year, Scott. I, I'm really glad it's finally 2020. Now I feel like I can finally have a clear vision about what's going to happen in this week's races. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> well, well, hopefully you can give us some winners with that 2020 vision. Um, of course, everybody's going to have the 2020 vision. So who's going to win? You know, we're all going to win. <laughs> All right. And uh, today we have a special guest. He won the Breeders' Cup betting challenge in 2015 with a payday of 320000 He has won two Keeneland live bankroll contests with bankrolls of over 20000 He has won many other live bankroll contests and is always a threat in any contest he enters. He is professional handicapper Tommy the Hammer Massis. Tommy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. My pleasure. Hey, uh, Tommy, we have a few questions for you. Uh, I'll let Chris start it off. Um, Chris, what do you got for Tommy? Well, Tommy, I know you're a professional player and you really like to um, hammer the races that you have strong opinions on. You're, I think you're primarily a horizontal player, so I thought maybe you'd just spend a little bit of time talking about how you approach the races in terms of handicapping and bidding. All right. Well, well, basically, uh, you know, I, I would be, uh, I, at one point I was a spot player and wait for that race and, you know, bet that race good. And then I start, you know, started to notice that, you know, I'm, I'm a, a lo- I was a long shot player looking for the, you know, and, and it's hard. I found it hard just to wait and try to find that one long shot race or long shot sequence. And I said, you know what, I think I'm better off, you know, firing at, every pick three, every pick four and, you know, smaller money, but basically kill shots. Like, you know, trying to hit a $50 straight pick three, that's going to pay 500 or 400. And, you know, it's hard to just find that sequence. So, you know, I was thinking maybe the best way to go is just, just keep playing them, you know, like, you know, you know, instead of making that thousand dollar bet, you know, 50 here, a hundred there and starting to get some traction with that. And, uh, I read a, you know, I was on first time I was on Twitter and there was some guy, the Maven, right? Dave something, Dave, what's his name? Good, good friends, good friends. Yeah, that's Dave, and, Maven. Yeah, and Dave, and Dave had, you know, you know, I'm going, okay, here's another idiot. Let's see what this idiot has to say. And he said that, you know, to hit these big sequences, you have to play a lot of tickets instead of, and I'm going, wow, this guy isn't an idiot. He's actually pretty sharp, I think. And that really changed that changed the way I looked at things. You know, sometimes you just need, you know, I'm a confident person, but sometimes you just need that affirmation or that push. And so I stuck to that where I stick to playing like Woodbine usually during the year. And then now I'm shifting to more of the fairgrounds, even though I'm down in Florida and I play Gulfstream just because it's there. It's, I like to play every pick three, every pick four. It's, and, and it's never changed since then. And just every shot, doesn't have to be big money, whether it's 50, 40, 100, or 200, or 400. Every shot is a home run shot. It's no use. I'm not looking to grind. I'm not looking to cash a ticket. And, and it's worked for 10 years now, so or more, 11 years. So if it's a sequence you like, you would bet more. If it's a sequence you don't like, you just bet less, but you pretty much keep in the action on, on all of them. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'll give you an example. So 
uh, four or five years ago with mine where it really got me into only playing like this. I played, I played a, a pick four where I went out the first race. And then in the next leg, I was five by three by a, like a two to five shot. And all I did was in, in where I had five, I had four horses under eight to one and one long shot. I keep the long shot. The next race was similar, like two low prices and a nine to one. I keep the nine to one, keep the two to five, a $50 bet. And, you know, I made a home run on it and I got lucky, you know, I got lucky. The, the long shots were my fifth and third choice, but I go, this is the only you know, way to play this. I'm not going to play five by three, by a two to five shot in the pick three. That's insanity, you know, and, and it's a lot of money. I don't like playing stuff for $5 or 10. I, I just don't feel, kind of, I want to hit things for $20, $40, so I'm willing to take a $40 shot, but if I really like a pick four sequence, I'll spend three or 400 on it, you know, pick five sequence more. Tommy, uh, you, you hit those multi-race exotics. Um, yet in tournaments, you've, at least in these live bankroll tournaments, usually you can't play those. So do you, is it just in the tournaments that you're crushing on win and exacta or, or, or do you, is it because of the rules that makes you play that way? Or are you just occasionally playing like that as well? No, I, I'm I, I, like, even though I do okay in the contest, I'm a total disadvantage. If you look at that, I don't make none of those bets. I very rarely play. I, I never play trifectas and superfectas. I play exactors once in a while, but I, I don't even really bet win. I try to get alive onto things. Like you know, put it this way, I'll play a pick three and I'll, and I'll try to get alive on the twenty to one shot. I might not have a strong opinion on him, so I, I will play the pick three. Then I won't bet the horse to win. You know, I won't bother with that. Now, if I have a real strong opinion on a twenty-five to one shot and I don't get alive, obviously I'm going to bet to win and play some exactors. But no, no, uh, I, you know, I, I this year I played three contests. I, I like I had enough of of them. I, I just hate playing, you know, out of my element and no matter if I do well or not, I'll do well. If I have a good day at a contest, I, I'd make good money if I wasn't playing it anyway. So I really only played three contests this year and, you know, and qualified for the Breeders' Cup, which was the fourth one. Now, if they had an open board, which they should have, I'd probably be playing contests, every live bankroll contest all over North America every weekend. What do you mean an open board? Play what you just like when you go to the track. Play what you want. Now you can limit it to the you know if Santa Anita's having a tournament. I understand just limit it, you know, just to Santa Anita. But there, go bet. What's with this Mickey Mouse win play show exactor try? And now they throw. Why not? Why not find out who's the best horse player? Stop all the BS, all this uh, uh, hidden scoreboard nonsense and churn. So make a rule. You got to bet twice your bankroll. Don't aren't don't we want to find out who the best is? You know, isn't it some, you, would, that, you know, you want to I walk around with a 2015 Breeders' Cup championship hat, right? It's a nice hat. I like it, but it, you know, champion of what? Of what? What did I prove? I, you know, it, well, it, you know, guys walking around champion this champion champion of what? Some Mickey Mouse rule contest? Well, I think that you would probably like the Hawthorne contest because I think you can play any kind of bet in those in those contests. Yeah, I know, but you know, it's five hundred dollars, and you know, it's like cost me more to get there than to enter the contest, right? Yeah, I do. That that would be the right way to do things to find out who the boss is. Yeah, two days, ten thousand dollars. There you go. Go play, play harness too. Play whatever you want. Quarter horses. I, right. I like find that, out man. who the best guy is. Find find like out who the best is. The new name for Tommy, Tommy the Boss, instead of Tommy the Hammer. I like that. Well, uh, let, let's uh, we'll 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 lend we'll move on. Assuming that uh, your ideal contest would be one where anything goes, and and hopefully there will be more of those because I agree that it should be like at least some contests should be. Hey, who can take the most money out of the racetrack on this day? 
Um, be yeah. Before we get into today's races, just want to ask you a couple of other minor questions that our listeners might be interested in, Tommy. First is what are what is what are your preferred tools? Are you like a DRF guy? Do you use uh, anything else besides that? Yeah, uh, basically it's come down to you know I've dabbled you know I'm I'm a guy who wants to keep learning like I I want to I want to play 18 holes of golf in in 18 strokes you know what I mean so in this game I'm the same I try to get better so I've tried everything uh, the sheets clocker reports. Now it's come down to the only things I'm really using is the daily racing form and basic, basic PPs, nothing fancy. Uh, I use the run up just so I can separate the lines when I print. <laughs> okay. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the run up, I don't pay attention to the run ups, but when I put them in, they, they separate the lines. So I have bad eyes. So it makes it easier to read, but it's that in replays. I'll watch the replays, you know, the, both both views of the replays take my notes try to find um you know try not to find the big trouble lines that the track guys find but try to find those subtle little things that can can be hidden and you know try to do some biases but you know it's biases too at woodbine i don't really do them because that track plays so fair most of the time but you know, biases, you can do a bias on a horse that ran against the bias, but still you got to, you know, if it's a track like the fairgrounds has had a lot of real biases this year or Gulfstream, you know, you got to figure out what it is today. And I hate doing that because it can be like, you know, when we get onto the analysis later, I'll get more into that part of it. But basically that's it. And I found a new thing that the latest thing that I've been studying is a thing called thorough manager. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Well, I've heard of that from you, from when I yeah. ran into you last week. And it's week. really, it's really interesting because they'll do a number, they'll do a number like thoroughgraphs or, or, or ragazins. And when I talked to the guy, you know, they're, you know, and I asked him, you know, what do you use to get your number? And it's, there was a few things added that I liked, you know, it's not perfect yet, but they added a few things, which I think makes them a more realistic number and leaves me less work to correct it, to get the right number. And he also on that site, I like he has different versions of past performances. It's it's a site that's good for an owner, an agent, a jockey, and a handicapper. And there's other stuff. His pace, you know, I'm a real pace analysis guy. And there's stuff on there that gets me interested, but it's hard for me to to read. I can't, you know, I haven't figured out it's not doesn't come naturally to me. So that's my thing from now to April. I've been I just printed out a bunch of PPs on the horses I own, and I'm trying to really get the hang of reading the the thorough manager PPs naturally. Is that thorough manager? Is that like T H O R O, or is it the T H R O R? If, if anybody's interested in investigating themselves, how would you spell thorough? Okay, it's thorough. The correct spelling manager. T H O R O U G H manager. Okay. Thorough manager. Uh, I, I believe just looking that up, it looks like it's tmracingdata.com. He you calls it, it thorough manager, but it's tmracingdata.com. So, yeah. And the TM is not Tommy Mathis. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Yeah, just call you guys would call it, you know, you go on there, it'll say contact at Tucker, tell them you heard it from me. Okay. And hopefully that'll get you something, some kind of discount or something. <laughs> All right, great. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 uh, anybody who's interested in that can check into that going forward. And today we're going to do, we, we decided that Tommy was a good person to, uh, to, to pick for the guest of this week because he is located at Gulfstream Park for the winter. And uh, even though he's not playing Gulfstream that often, we figured, hey, well, we, we might as well have somebody who's on the ground at the location. So we're going to do the stakes that are at Gulfstream tomorrow, January 4th. They're the 6th through 10th races. The first race is the 6th race at Gulfstream, the Limehouse Stakes. It's a six furlong dirt race with a purse of 75,000 for three-year-olds. Tommy, as our guest of honor, 
do you have an opinion on this race? Yeah, well, well, a good thing that'll decide whether I play some of these races or not is that it's the sixth race and you get to see what kind of track it is. You know, like, is it going to be a speed highway, you know, no passing zone kind of track, which I, I, I despise. I'd rather, you know, there's, I, I wish there was never biases, but if there was, I always like the closing track, the tracks you can come off the pace. So this sixth race really looks like a meltdown race. And the problem handicapping this, the two horses I'm left with, I don't know if they're fast enough, but I'm going to take a shot if it's a fair track on uh, number four on Captured King. Now, the, the only horses I think that can sit off the pace are Uncaptured King, the one uh, Chivalry who, you know, his best races aren't sitting, his best races have been firing to the front. And, and the only other closer is number two, Peruvian Boy, who, you know, it's going to really be hard for this horse to get there. But that's the kind of race where I will take a shot. I will bet the four Uncaptured King you know, at anywhere near that kind of price, box with the one horse, maybe a small box with the two or use the two, you know, somewhere in there with both of them. But, you know, I'll probably, you know, the two is that kind of a price, five, six to one, I think it'll be a lot bigger. But at five, six to one, I'll probably just throw them out and just bet the four and box one, four would be my play in there. But like I said, if it's a speed highway, I wouldn't mess around with that race. All right. Well, that's a, a, a bold pick, a 12 to one in a six horse field. Chris, where did you land on this race? Well, I'm with Tommy and that I think the pace should be hot. I do think if it doesn't melt down, it will come out really chalky. The one and the six are clearly the fastest horses if there's not um, a total meltdown, but so I'm not real excited about the race, but I like the, the horse that, Tommy mentioned but didn't seem to like that much um, to be the closer in here and that's the two horse Peruvian boy he's not real fast but um, he has all kinds of excuses for just about all of his races and I do think he will be coming from out of it um, so if it does melt down you know he'll be he'll be charging late uh, it, he does change barns he's had some good recent works not since his last race but Prior to his race before that, he really um, flashed some fast workouts. Um, he doesn't really have any fast final times, but he does seem like he has a little talent, a lot of excuses. New barn. Uh, the other thing is Johnny Velasquez writes, and he and the trainer have hooked up very rarely in the last year, only three times, but they've won in two of those. So maybe the new barn, the new rider, a hot pace, and this horse could finish up strong. He's only six to one on the morning line, which seems crazy. I don't see how he could only be six to one in here, but so I'm not interested at that price, but I, I think that morning line's wrong and, and he'll be much higher than that at post time. But this is a race I'll probably just watch um, in terms of, you know, vertical wagers. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the morning line maker at Gulfstream does seem to be way off base a lot of the time. So I, I don't know who does it, but um, I I generally when I see something really good there, I'm I don't get too excited because I don't know what it's going to be. At the same time, there are only six horses in this race, so they can only bet so many of them. That's why the prices might not be as good as you hope. I ended up with Zeno boys. Uh, he's only three to one, so it's not that exciting. Probably a good chance that he could go lower. The time form pace projector doesn't have this as a pace meltdown kind of race. There are three horses that have speed, but the inside horse Shibari is probably not going to get the lead. And um, Zeno boys is pretty fast out of the gate, and he really just darted out of the gate in his last race. He had a great workout since that race on December 29th, his fastest five for a long work ever. Paco Lopez is on him. He's, he's going to gun it for the lead. I don't think it's going to be an insane pace. I'm not expecting it to be an insane pace. I suppose it's possible if the five decides to go with him. But uh, to me, he's clearly the second choice, and I'm against Chivari, who ran a big double top 
two races uh, in a row within a week, which isn't always a bad thing, but because they were uh, significantly faster than his previous races, I think he's going to react to those races. So Zeno boys will, that'll help the price on Zeno boys. And um, I'm not that excited about it, but he is my pick in the race. You know, the, the, the five horse did go 21 flat at Gulfstream. So, <laughs> you know, to think that he's not going to go, go beat the six out of the gate. I really don't see that hap not happening. And, and the rail horse, the rail horse, See, he, I agree with you. They're going to out, probably out sprint him, but to get a meltdown, you just don't only need the speed horse. You need that horse that comes at him around the turn and finishes it off. And a horse that not only engages the speed and runs them into the ground and also doesn't clear. When you get that, that's the perfect scenario for, for an off the pace race. Well, you know, um, there's only six horses in the race, so it, it's, it's tough. I, I, I don't know. I'm just looking at the at Cajun Casanova's last race where he was second he still ran like a 106 time form early pace number. I don't know. Um, I, I try not to predict too much. I, I just think that with so few horses in the race that it's easy. It's, it's, there's more likely to be a speed pop in the race. And I think Zano boys is it. Um, Cajun Casanova might be able to run with him for a little while, but I, I, I don't know. Um, I I can understand playing against all the speed horses, and the price is going to be better on those closers. So so it makes sense. I just to me this is the kind of race I don't get too excited about because I think the six is probably going to pop them, and um, I, I'm not going to get too cute with it. Yeah, the just last time the last time they ran that you know the one the one in they they broke evenly the two of them at Tampa and and the one just put back. So I I hope I hope you're wrong. I hope I'm right. <laughs> on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, just one note on the time form pace projector. It does really take into account field size. So with a six horse field, it probably will very seldom show it being a hot pace. Um, uh, whereas if it was a twelve horse field with those same three speed horses in the race um it probably yeah, four, would show four of them four of them i don't think i don't think uh ricky ticky taffy is as quick but he can only go guns you know he went 22 22 and four second quarter last time so you know he's gonna he'll be chasing them you know so they're, they're not going to be able to slow down even if one of them takes it back you're going to get a horse like that or the one chasing them and, and there's no way I see Irad, you know, a horse that's 21 from the gate and he three times sub 22, he's going to take a hold with this horse. There's, there's no chance. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe, uh, if Jose, maybe if Jose was on the six, but not with Paco on the six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and, you know, Paco being on the six is uh, more reason to think that he's going to be on the lead. But it doesn't really matter in, 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 in your guys' opinions that you think that it's going to be a hot pace, so you want them to go fast early. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to worry about it if they run like a 21-2 quarter. Otherwise, I'm, I'm going to feel pretty good about Zeno, Zeno's boys. Seventh at Gulfstream, it's the Kitten's Joy, which is a grade three, seven and a half furlong on turf. Purse of 100000 for three-year-olds also. We'll let Chris start this one off. What do you think, Chris? Well, I think the two-horse Irish Mias is a legitimate favorite, very solid, most likely winner. I wouldn't talk anyone off playing that horse. Uh, definitely want to include that. Um, I did want to try to find a price in here after the two horse. They're all pretty equally matched. The horse that I landed on 
as the possible play here from a value standpoint was the six horse mystic Lancelot who um, in its debut looked really good. Um, uh, to me, it looked like a horse that had a lot of talent, um, ran a big race. Uh, they got pretty excited about the horse. Um, you know, it, it trounced a, what turned out to be a very strong field. And so they took it to Tommy's home track, Woodbine, uh, tried it going a mile, unfortunately caught a yielding turf course, didn't really run that well, but you know, to me, I don't know if that tells you much about the horse given the, the course condition. They yeah, also had a note on him that day. He had a, he had a trouble line. Something must have happened that day. He had a little flag on him. Yeah. So yeah, he did. I think he um he broke kind of poorly. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but to me, you are can you, kind are of... you talking about the Woodbine race? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He it, it says in the trouble line, um, the running line I'm looking at that he hit the gate at the start. So you know, I'm willing to just excuse that effort. Um, that's his only route race. So some people may say, oh, this horse is a sprinter. Um, and downgrade him for that. I'm willing to give, give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt, given the, the ship, you know, first time going a, a route, uh, the horse condition. Then he came back with a couple of pretty good sprints. Didn't get the best of trips, especially in his last race. He was really wide on a day when you wanted to be on the inside, um, sprinting. So I'm, I'm willing to excuse all of his races since his debut. And now I like the fact that they, they're stretching him back out to a mile. Um, like I said, I mean, his breeding is fine to get a mile. Entry mischief's kind of distance neutral. Certainly can get horses that go a mile. Quality road's good underneath on the dam side for distance. So, you know, to me, this horse um, has been working really well since that last race. His, his best rake, uh, work of his life probably was his most recent one. So this is a chance you can catch a horse with a lot of talent at a decent price. So to me, Mystic Lancelot's very interesting in here uh, at eight to one in the morning line. All right, Tommy, what did you think here? Well, you know, I'll start and end with the two horse. This is the type of, I, I, I hate this race just because of the two. The two, you know, if you look at uh, numbers, sheet numbers, look like you turned the corner last time. And looking at that, you can also look, is it that, or did he just get such a great pace scenario? Because the winner of the last race came from out of the clouds. He came from the back. So it's a race at first glance. It looks like the two's a cinch, you know, but did he just, you know, is that a false number? You know, all the numbers, the buyers, the thoroughgraphs, the thorough manager numbers, they're all, you know, all of a sudden he took a big jump. And sometimes, you know, especially with a guy like Motion, you know, they get better and better and better. But then I just can't get over, you know, the 22, 45, 109. And, you know, that race fell apart. So I'm kind of stuck on him. But I think this is a race I'm going to pass. And as to Chris's point, I've never seen Pop Fletcher turf horses run as good as they've been running at Gulfstream. So why, why, why not? Well, there are reasons to uh, be skeptical of Irish Mia. I, and I heard him pronounce, I heard her pronounce as Irish Mia. So I'm assuming that's the announcer was correct. But uh, the, the race was a real setup. There was a scintillating pace. The horse was, had a perfect inside trip and then swung outside, went a little bit wide coming out of the turn. I thought it was a perfect trip. And then the other horse who won it came from dead last and also had a, a really beautiful setup. So now because of that perfect setup, and I, it's not because of that perfect setup, I guess it's also because she's won a stakes race. Um, the, the horse is carrying five more pounds than every other horse in the race. I just, I can see this horse getting really pounded and finishing second in this race. So I was looking for an alternative, and the alternative that I landed on was Bless the Kitten, who is the four horse in the race. Uh, was off awkwardly among a crowd in the last race. Showed a good turn of foot outside versus a pretty slow pace. 
really made a nice move that uh, Travis Stone uh, mentioned. I, I think that was Travis Stone. Uh, let's see if it was, yeah, it was Travis, it was Travis Stone at Churchill and was really game in the race and improved a little bit and looked good on the gallop out. Three winners have come out of that race and one second at 22 to one. The horse is only nine to two, so I, you know, I can't get too excited about it, but I, I think the horse has a really big shot here. Nice spacing off the last race. Really impressed me with that turn of foot. So that's where I'm going to land, but I would back it up. I would, I would put a win bet on Bless the Kitten, and then I would back it up with Irish Mia just in case. Yeah, it looks like the race before that at Keeneland was a key race, too. Looks like the top three came back and went. Uh, top four, including Bless the Kitten. Whoa, Nelly. Yeah, I, um, I, Irish Mia definitely had the flow in its favor last time, but that horse isn't like a, a one-run plotter. I mean, that horse has been up close sprinting on the dirt. So, you know, I think it's pretty versatile running style. It's the one to beat, but I've never been a fan of the rider. Um, Scott knows this. Uh, uh, I was I was thinking that <laughs> as I watched the replay of the last race, I was like, Chris is not going to pick this horse. Um, but, you know, I do think it's the one to beat, but I agree with both of you and myself in that. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, not that's, been, yeah, not that's the horse that keeps me out of the doubles and pick threes because I don't know to bet them. I don't want to bet against them. And I guess we'll find out the truth about him today, but not with my money in the race. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, again, you don't know what this morning line at three to one. It's not that bad a price. I, I don't think you'll get three to one. I mean, I to me, I thought this horse was going to be like you know eight to five or six to five or something. Then I'm more excited about trying to beat it. But if it goes off at five to two or three to one, there won't be a lot of value on the board. Like Scott's, you know, horse blessed a kitten. I can see a good case for that, but you know, four to one or five to one, it's not that exciting. Um, and you can make a case for several others in here, um, but you got to hope that they they really pound the two horse, or there won't be a lot of value on the board. Except yeah, that, that last sheet number uh, on the two, you know, makes him unbettable. I think he's going to get bet eight yeah. to five. Be the at the most, he'll be eight to five. Just and I hate you know when you're just one good, you know, you're looking at I don't know what the thoroughbreds were, but, you know, basically you got constant numbers and then all of a sudden this number comes out of nowhere. Not for me. No, thank you. Yeah. So you got to hope that's what happens and they do bet that horse really hard. And then you, yeah. this race might become playable. I mean, you know, Scott gets six to one or, or higher on his horse, you know, Mystic yeah. Lancelot goes off at eight to one or 10 to one. Then all of a sudden the race becomes more interesting. Yeah, and that you know what, why I won't play the race somewhere. He might run a two on the thoroughbreds, let's just say, and then next next start is in a great two or three. So I don't I don't want to have that egg on my face either. So. <laughs> well, I am thinking that bless the kitten with a sixty six buyer winning a maiden race by a head is going to be higher than nine to two, in a field that includes a Pletcher maiden winner with a seventy two buyer and uh, and then Irish Mia coming off a, an 85 in a stakes race. So they, they are going to pound that horse. And even though you know we can sit here and say like, well, we don't know, but we know that Irish me is going to be pounded. So uh, I think the horse is kind of a sucker horse. I will only play defensively. If, uh, if I played the pick five, I'll, I'll have it. You know, I'll have a ticket that has Irish Mia with only long shots in the rest of the races, just in case. But, uh, but other, otherwise I think, the, the horse is kind of a play against. All right. I think we're kind of all on the same page on this race. Yep. I agree. On to the next one, boys. All right, the eighth race at Gulfstream Park, the Glitter Woman Stakes. It's a six and a half furlong dirt race, purse of seventy five thousand for three year old fillies. Tommy, what do you think on this one? Uh, I think it's a cool, they're going to run back the way they ran back in the house party. 
I think it's a full six eight. I think the six has a has a, a real pace advantage, especially second quarter speed on the field. And I think he's gonna run away and the eight's gonna be chasing him the whole way and they're gonna run one two again. All right. Um pretty clear on that one. What do you think, Chris? Well, I agree that those are the two horses to beat, but I think it's a little more wide open than that. I I think there's two other horses with a chance um, with some interesting angles, and those two other horses are the one and the two. Uh, the best price of the two by far is of those two horses is the one horse, Tale of Success, who is making only a second start, but it, it won its uh, – a debut um pretty easily or at least i thought it was a pretty easy win uh the trainer does really well when it starts a horse you know second time out off a maiden win and this horse is bred to be good it's a half to cz rocket who is very fast um johnny velasquez is on uh so and you know goes from prado to velasquez actually prado i think probably had his choice between the one and the two and he chose the two um but i i much prefer velasquez to prado um he did draw the rail which might be a bit of a disadvantage um for a young horse but you know at the price i think this horse could really improve off of that debut effort um and you know at if everybody sees the race the way Tommy does, then could get a pretty good price on that horse. Uh, the two horses, the other horse that I like, not quite the same kind of a price, but the trainer's very good with first time starters, very good second time out. Um, it's another well-bred horse has been really working out well. Um, uh, you know, there's just a lot to like in that, on that horse too. So, to me, both those two horses, even though they're not as fast as the six and the eight, have a lot of upside, um, which is what I'm always looking for with these young horses. And in particular, the one horse could be really good value in here. Um, eight to one on the morning line and could even float up above that if they, they really heavily bet the six and the eight. All right, I'm going to second your opinion on Tale of Success. Showed decent speed and had a nice gallop out in the last race. And another thing that I like about the horse is that she debuted at the distance of six and a half furlongs, which is pretty good for a two-year-old. I, I like that she closed a little bit and she galloped out well. Uh, like you said, she's a half to CZ Rocket. Her mother was also a pretty fast horse. And she had one other sibling that also ran pretty fast. So I, I like the, the fact that she won the debut at the distance. And I, I somewhat agree with Tommy about Spanish Point. But the one thing that I did notice is her top number was run at five and a half furlongs in her debut. And then in her next race where she looked, she looked good, but it was six furlongs. And she ran a little bit slower and she had two months rest. So uh, that to me that she ran a little slower with the half furlong makes her slightly vulnerable going another uh, half furlong. Uh, so it was a half furlong increase from five and a half, which was a maiden claimer race, the five and a half, the stake race, you know, won the race, but uh, got a slightly slower figure and now goes another half furlong uh, and also carries top weight, carrying more than every other horse in the race. So, so I would use Spanish point absolutely in multis and, and I am going to play the pick five on this day. Uh, so I will have something with Spanish point there, but I would, I would make my top pick tail of success for sure. And I, and I think I, the I two also has a shot. Well, I, I think six going to run away in a hide, like I said, but I, I can't tell about Belmont five and a half furlong races, but the numbers on Woodbine five furlong races, they always seem to be 20 points off. Like a horse that running six furlong and running, you know, like say 60 buyers runs an 80 going five. So I don't trust numbers 
at five, five and a half furlongs. I'm not saying it's the same for Belmont or any other track, but I would buy. They seem to be just numbers you have to throw in the garbage. But enough of that. On to the next one, boys. But that's a good point, Tom, that you make, especially on two-year-old races. A lot of times when they run like five or five and a half, uh, that's the only race that day at the track at that distance, and they don't really have any numbers to base their figures on because they're two-year-olds. So those are always some of the most sus suspect numbers are those two-year-olds at kind of odd distances. Um, so you always want to take those with a grain of salt. Yeah, and the horse was off a little bit slow. I, I can understand that, but I'm just I'm looking for reasons to play against the favorite, and you know, just uh, in case anybody else is lo looking at these races and saying, "How do I beat this horse?" Well, you know, that's that's a possibility. It's a a possible chink in its armor. Aside from uh, stretching out, is also carrying a little bit extra weight. So, uh, but you know. Tommy's the type of person uh, who will have a $50 pick three with this horse singled and, and more power to you. I know one thing, a, a low price speed horse is the opposite of everything I believe in. So when I find one, look out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go then to the next race, which is... The ninth race at Gulfstream, it's the Ginger Brew Stakes, seven and a half furlongs on turf, purse of 100000 also for three-year-old fillies. Chris, what do you think here? Well, I think this is a race where it looks like the pace could cook up some. So my initial bias is to be against speed horses. Um but there's actually a speed horse in here that I'm pretty impressed with. And so I'm probably going to play that one. But there's also a horse that comes from off of it that I like. So there's two horses in here I like. The speed horse that I, I like is the one horse, Cheermeister, who um, since it's only raced twice, um, both races it's been on the lead. Um, I don't know if it necessarily has to be on the lead, but if you watch this horse's races, it, it looks just like a, a natural runner. I mean, just has a beautiful stride, high cruising speed, uh, kind of effortlessly goes. And it, it won its last race pretty easily. And that was, it was as a maiden in a stakes race, which might not mean a whole lot with two-year-olds and three you know, young three-year-olds, but to me, the horse just looks like a real runner. And uh, 12 to 1 morning line seems kind of crazy in here, but that horse has to be respected. So the one horse, Cheermeister, there's several other speed horses, so it's not like I think he's going to get an easy lead. But um, this horse looks like a real runner, and so I, I respect that horse, and I, I have to use it. But the, uh, the horse that I kind of like some in here uh, – as well as the six horse sunset promise who comes out of that same race kind of got shuffled back last time, but really closed well and galloped out well. And, um, if the pace cooks up, it should get a more favorable race flow. And I think it turn the tables on the one. Um, so those are the two I kind of like coming out of that race. I think you can make a case for several others in here. It's pretty wide open, especially if the, the race does heat up on the front end. So I'll be interested in hearing what uh, you and Tommy have to say on this one. But for me, it's probably um, Sunset Promise, the six and number one Cheermeister. Okay, so your first pick is Sunset Promise and Cheermeister is your second. Uh, it's going to be dictated by the odds. On the morning line, which I think is just flat out wrong, um, I would go with the one. But I have a feeling the one will be bet down well below the six if that's the case and i'm probably going with the six horse sunset promise okay it makes sense tommy all right uh assuming the nine horse hear my prayer run right this race this race like the nine's gonna get the lead right and usually with horses like this and, and i i don't think the nine has 
has a prayer. You, you know, hear my prayer. I don't think has a prayer, but you never know a Paco. But now what is a, you know, handicapped in jockeys, Jaramillo, is he going to sit? Does he know how to sit? You know, is it in his arsenal to sit? I think, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to be betting that they're going to go crazy, you know, 22, 45. And you got two Ortiz brothers. Abscon has speed. Uh, Sunset Promise, if you look down, he has speed going four and a half. You know, one of them is going to go. So, you know, to me, it's my, the meltdown race. I'm, I'm going to land on number five, our little jewel. You know, hope he just trips right out. And I'm going to play an exacto box with the bottom horse. She's my type. Another closer picked up Lasix off a win, maiden win. And I'm going to count that somebody goes with Paco. Now, most likely Paco's going to get the lead and somebody's going to sit outside of him, get first run, most likely the four, you know, and get a perfect trip. And, you know, I lose my money, but I can really see them going with, you know, two Ortiz brothers with speed, Jarmillo from the rail with speed, Paco, you know, uh, it, they got to They got to fly, man. Well, that makes sense. And I, I certainly, when I first looked at the race, I was leaning to the same two horses that Chris mentioned, Cheermeister and Sunset Promise, especially considering that that, that nine horse is going to likely gun for the lead, so it makes Cheermeister a little bit more vulnerable. So I was leaning towards Sunset Promise. But then I came upon High on Gin, the eight horse, and I realized this, this is a horse that could be something special. Hyun Jin is one at 11 to 1, 23 to 1, and 20 to 1. Her only loss was when she started way wide in a big field. And she was, she was widest on the first turn. And then she was bumped for good measure to go even wider on that turn. She was wide on the second turn, impossibly wide. And it's just an, it's an excuse race. And then she came back and she won an off the turf race on the, on the slop and won like, even though she was whipped regularly, she had her ears pricked and it just seemed like a super easy win. The trainer has shipped to Kentucky a few times. He's never run at Gulfstream, but I think that considering that this horse has won as easily as she has, I, I still haven't watched her first uh, two races, but uh, they were, they they seem to have been pretty easy wins. I think the horse could be something special, and she's going to be at least twenty to one, especially for a trainer that's never run there. The jockey who has had great success with the trainer also comes in from Louisiana just to ride this horse. So, so that's going to be my bomb play, and I will use Sunset Promise and Cheermeister also in the pick five. But high on gin is the long shot special. Yeah, yeah you I convinced actually, me. I'll throw, I'll throw that horse in. Yeah, I think um, if the pace cooks up, high on gin, the eight and the twelve horse, she's my type. Both um, are definitely upset possibilities. Um, I, you know, Sunset Promise. I just don't see them sending that horse in here at all. It ran very well from off the pace last time. Um, I think that horse could sit the perfect trip stock getting first run on the, on the, the rest of the field. Um, so I, I just be shocked if, if that horse is up on the lead abscond. Yeah. That I read tends to be pretty patient, but that horse is always up near the lead. So, I mean, it, I'd be a little surprised if they take that horse way back, but to me, sunset promise should get a good trip in here and should get first run on the the front runners uh but you know if it could get out finished if they go really fast and it makes move too early then someone like high on gin or she's my type could come rolling in late at a price so to me this is definitely the most interesting race that we've talked about so far yeah i would also say about sunset promise i watched that last race i was able to get some replay work in before the pod and she galloped out ahead of Cheermeister. So she was not only closing, but then pulled ahead on the gallop out. So, so that bodes well for that horse's chances. And she gets a really good rider switch to Jose Ortiz. Um, 
that that won't hurt his chances at all either. Right. May get played a little also coming you know, in second off a of stakes race and having run three stakes races already. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see as, as we like to say, odds are the final arbiter. Yeah. And just mentioning those previous races, one of those races was second to sharing um, at Laurel and sharing, I think went on to win the Breeders cup juvenile Philly and turf race. Right. So, yeah, so definitely a quality animal and may get played, but uh, if any kind of a price, is definitely an include. Our last race is the 10th at Gulfstream. It's the Mucho Macho Man Stakes, a mile on the dirt, purse of 100000 for three-year-olds. Tommy, where did you land here? I landed on the Indiana bread. Uh all right, we're looking it up. We're looking it up on the Indiana bread. <laughs> I'm looking it up well, and I'm Indi waiting. Go yeah, ahead. the Indiana bread has only run one bad race. That was going two turns, coming back to a one turn mile. Julian should have him right at the back. Should be a nice pace scenario in front of him. And I see him swooping them in the lane. So is Indiana bred South Bend? Is that I'm just guessing by the name. Um, you got it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, that's the only Indiana place that I come up with. The home of Notre Dame. Yes, yes. Uh, so you're all about the one in this race, then? Yeah, you know what? And the the only other horse, uh, the other horse that you know it's going to get set up is the turf horse, Solo Volante. So I don't know what, the, you know, the horse is really bred for the turf, but, you know, this horse, I'm pretty sure could have run in that other race with the, the, the gray emotion horse. Right. Right. Cause it beat it. And, and, uh, yeah. That horse, so, yeah. And that horse you figure should be finishing, but it's actually the breeding's a little better than you think. I dug into this just because, um, I was interested in, because I thought this could, if this looks like a, an absolute meltdown kind of race with so much speed in it that I really want to take a look at that six. And if you dig in a little bit, it's a half brother to a stakes winner um, by trap shot who was four, won four races on the dirt and over $200,000. So does, it's, it's you know, the Bernstein, you know, it's the Bernstein. Like if, if the sire was Bernstein, they're almost pitches for me on the dirt auto pitches. That's where I'm getting, but you know, at that kind of a price, eight to one in the setup. Yeah. That's it's my second choice. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. Yeah. Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna second guess, you know, you know, an old time sharp trainer, you know, could have gone in that race. We've probably been one of the favorites in that other race and runs in here. Well, he seems pretty confident. You know, he seems confident to, you know, for that kind of money. And I don't know who Andy is, his daughter. So I guess he owns part of the horse. I'm with him. If he thinks he, this horse can dirt, so can I, you know, I'm, I'm on the same page. Yeah. He just, and he has had some success going turf to dirt. Um, he's four for 17 doing that. Um, and with this rider, uh, Panici, who is not my favorite rider, but he has a very good ROI with him. Um, he's, uh, and they're one for two going turf to dirt including a 14 to one winner just a, a week ago. So um, I kind of with you that this is an interesting spot, although for young three-year-olds that run well on the turf, for them to try it, try the dirt um, is pretty normal because of the big emphasis on the triple crown races. So it may not be as significant as it seems, but, you know, I think definitely the six is one who will benefit from a fast pace in here. Um, there was another horse I kind of liked too, and that was the seven horse, who's part of the speed brigade, but um, drew an outside post and has IRAD. So I think there's a good chance they might try to rate that seven horse. And it's pretty good. Um, uh, it has decent breeding to stretch out. And this trainer um, has tried to uh, first time routing as four for four in the money. And in last year in a stakes race, first time routing one with Jeltrin at 51 to one. So inter Miami, I think looks kind of live in here. 
if they do um, try to rate it and it can and handle that, you know, it's willing to settle from that outside post, it might get a good trip. So your top choice is the six, Sol Volante? Uh, six, yeah, and seven. Those are the okay. two. And it'll be price dependent. Right now, on the based on the morning line, I'd go with the six. Yeah, I, I have a feeling Sol Volante is going to get played. One reason is because Patrick Biancone won with a turf-to-dirt uh, horse, I don't know, sometime in the last two weeks. That was sort of a price, and I, I think maybe – People will. I, I I don't know if anybody else was paying attention to that, but I think some people might. The one negative I will add about that horse is that not only did it get a perfect setup, but all of its workouts, its best workouts, are on the turf. So I don't know. You know, I don't know if this horse is really cut out for dirt. If if the workouts had been on dirt and good workouts, then I would I would be a little bit more inclined, but. If this horse gets played, I mean, at eight to one, with the the correct pace scenario, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take you off him, but I'd be a little bit worried if he does get played about um, him trying the dirt here because uh, there's not really much indication that he loves the dirt. Yeah, I don't think he gets. I don't think he goes under eight to one. Not in a you know in a in a stake race with Luca Panici on him. No, no way this horse gets played. And yeah, I'm with you. If he's going to be five to one, yeah, you know, I'll still use him in my exacta box, but but there's there's no way I can see this horse being under eight to one. Not not with just that jockey. I know it doesn't really matter, but you know, people are going to look. You know, Tyler Gaffleone, Ortiz, Ortiz, Paco. You know, th- this is not going to be no wise guy horse by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and one one good thing about the this horse being a turf horse, a lot of times the turf horses just don't aren't used to the kickback and don't like it. But since it's a one turn race and drew an outside post, um, unless Panici is really stupid, he can avoid the kickback. Uh, maybe he tucks in on the rail. We'll see. Um, but at least, you know, for the first four furlongs or so, he um, will be able to pretty much just uh, keep him out in the clear um, and not have to take tech kickback, which I think will help. But yeah, I, I I mean, there's question marks for the horse, but that's why um, you'll get a price. And I don't see how this isn't a really, really fast pace. I mean, just about there's four or five horses in here that want to be on the lead. And it's a, it's a long run to that first turn. And I, to me, this has got to be a fast pace. That's why the favorite chance it, I think, is, is up against it a bit. Um, he'll get heavily bet. And, you know, he just is not going to get any kind of breather in here um, on the front end. All right. Well, um, I had not done a pace analysis of this race because it was the last race and I was looking at it at the very last minute. But now that I have looked at the pace scenario, uh, especially since Tommy mentioned it, I love my pick, which was not even pace dependent. Uh, my pick is also South Bend. He's won three. He won three in a row. And then he ran an off race going two turns, first time in the slop. And this is a major angle, especially with two-year-olds. For me, uh, when a horse does well and then runs an off race going two turns the first time, then it's super live in its next race. So maybe we even get higher than nine to two on this horse. Um, he's not only did he go first time two turns, but he also had the slop to contend with, but he didn't run horribly. So, so I think he should improve off the winning races on dirt. I mean, uh, going one turn, you know, and he's going back to one turn. He would be fine if he was going second time, uh, two turns, but it, the fact that it's even one turn and he's got the inside post. I, I really like him a lot in this race. So South Bend all the way for me. And um, I, I didn't even have anybody else written down. So so I, I don't know who else I would use. I might just single South Bend in the. Uh, yeah, you know, drive. if it's a fair track, if it's a fair track, I think he's going to be cold favored, honestly. To me, it's like two second handicapping to come up with him. Okay, well, uh, even more reason to single then, right? If, yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna use I'm gonna use that other that turf horse too, you know, 
you know, more just an exact and maybe a saver bet if I play the the multi leg races. All right. Um, now, since you're so, such a specialist in the multi leg races, Tommy, do you think you're going to play the pick five? No, because that gray emotion horse is going to keep me from doing anything. So, no, so I'm, even if you don't play the pick five, so you know there are some races you like in here. What's probably? Well, yeah, I'm going to play. I'm going to play, play. I'm going to play the. I'm going to play the sixth race for sure. I'm going to play the ninth race for sure, and the tenth race for sure. So how? You know, you I have no use. I have no use for the the six eight exactor, right? I got I got no use even if it pays thirty dollars. I just got no use for that race, no matter how much I like it. Other than in multi leg, I might play the the late pick three. So that uh, you know, I'll be playing. I'll be playing our little jewel. I'll be playing with uh, South Bend and the Turf Forest, and I'll definitely be playing Uncaptured King in the six. That'll probably be a race where I play Exactus and win. You know, I'll have to look. I haven't looked at the races before the six, so I might play something leading up to that, right? Okay. Okay. So you like our little jewel in the ninth and South Bend in the tenth. Um, yeah, I'm not crazy like about our little jewel, but, you know, 15, 20 to one. Yeah, that's the type of horse to take a shot on everything. And then South Bend, that's probably the, your strongest opinion in these latter races. I'll look at it. You know what? I might like South Bend the most, but the race I got, I get, I get, I'm excited about is the first one. Uncaptured uh, King. Uncaptured King. Yeah, just because of that kind of a price, right? That kind of a price, and you know, if, if I can get a horse like Peruvian Boy Home, would probably be the same price. You know, that's the type of race where. And the thing is too, if it's a total speed track, I'm more apt to play because I'm. I know I'm going to get a way better price, right? So. You know, that, that happens too. So you get speed running all day and then, you know, a lot of guys will change off to bet speed horses. But if you stick to the closers, not only you'll get better prices, you might get those races where everyone's going. Everyone thinks they can go and you really get set up and, you know, you can really hit a nice, I've hit nice tickets like that. Yeah, I think you definitely see that on some days where there is an obvious bias. By the middle of the card, all the jockeys know it and they're all riding to it and it can actually flip it. Yeah, if it's a speed bias, right? If it's a speed bias, I will play closers, but I will not play any races I like to speed. Because you'll see you'll see a race with three speed horses, and you're trying to figure out which one is going to get the lead from those three, and none of them get it. Some guy hits the gate, you know, breaks great, hustles up and clears you, and you're sitting there going, "What the hell just happened?" You know. I, I don't need to play speed bias. Speed biases, that's amateur hour, and usually I just close the TV on, you know, unless I like some bombs closing. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give I, you guys. Rosemary I, I looked at not not Rosemary. Uh, who's the the one that retired, married to Joe Sharp? Oh, Rosie uh, Napravnik. Rosie Napravnik. Yeah. yeah. She did it to me at the fairgrounds years ago. Biggest speed bias. Three closers. She cleared on all three of them. You know, she put me in a coma for a week. <laughs> all right. Well, um, to get you out of your coma, I'm going to give you a horse in the 11th race, which I, I, I had to look at because I was getting a little excited about the pick five here. And I'm going to play it. There's a horse that you need to include in the 11th race. And it's the three Cheyenne's Colonel. Now, I, I think that the in the 11th race the favorite Krampus is going to be hard to beat and he's definitely an include but I think that Cheyenne's Colonel is good for the exacta minimum and certainly can also win the race Cheyenne's Colonel is the trainer's best horse She's got a good pattern good spacing into this race the only horse <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, well, she's got a couple. I think she had, she ran one. I'm like, kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, but, but clearly this is, this is her meal ticket. And, uh, and, uh, aside from the good pattern and the relatively good speed figures and, and a good post, uh, also was against a speed flow in her last race. So we'll probably get an upgrade on racingflow.com. So Cheyenne's Colonel, uh, 
include. Chris, um, did you uh, did you see anything else? Uh, did you see anything else on the card that you? Yeah, liked? I like Proliferate just because I made a score off him the first time out. He he ran at Gulfstream last year, but when he broke his maiden, and he almost went right back. So hopefully he's a horse for course. So I will be boxing Proliferate with uh, the Marcy Brooks horse. All right. Um, All right. Well, I, I may box with you in sol- solidarity. Uh, I like. No, stay stay out of my pools. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't swim in the pool with sharks, Scott. Not a good thing to do. Um, the six horse Prince of Arabia, I think is interesting in there. I mean, it's, it's a bit speculative, but, um, that's the same trainer talked about with, the uh, uh, solo volante, uh, Biancone, who's been kind of hot. This horse, he's, he's taken several horses from the West coast that were trained by Cassidy and done well with them, uh, before. And, this horse comes off a layoff. He's pretty good with horses off a layoff. And again, it's him and Panici who together have a really good ROI. Um, so uh, I think you could get a price off the layoff with that rider. Um, and the horse could fire right off the bench um, in a race that looks pretty wide open. So that was kind of where I was leaning in that race. If Sol Volante and Panici misfire or don't, you know, don't fire in the 10th race that could up your price on the six Prince of Arabia with the same connections. Yeah. Yes. That could, could be the case or maybe you play it could that. Be, it could be the, I think it's the opposite. If Panici wins, everyone's going to say, what's the odds he wins two in a row. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so to follow Tommy on Twitter, if anybody's listening who doesn't already do that, he's at Tommy Hammer, one word. And uh, do you guys have anything else to add before we wrap it up? No, good luck to everyone. I just and thanks for you. having me on, guys. I really appreciate appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun and anytime. And let's hope that let's hope that we delivered some winners. And some good karma for you, Tommy. Thank you very much for um, joining the show. It was a lot of fun having you on. And we'll definitely have you back, uh, assuming you're willing, which it sounds like you are. Um, and good luck this weekend. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. And I guess I'll see you guys in Vegas for sure, if not before. Definitely. Absolutely. Great. And if you guys so- are coming down here, if you guys are coming down here, let me take you out to dinner. Let me know. Will do. If we win a spot to the Pegasus, we'll be down. So that will wrap up the show. This is show number 46 of the PH Pod. We'll finish it up with a little Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. Cheers. Giddy up.